Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Back to the seventh inning stretch podcast, everyone. It's been quite a while. A lot of crazy things have happened between me and Justin. Uh, but more importantly, Justin's been on an incredible journey, ups and downs emotionally, I'm sure. Buddy, how you doing? How you holding up? I'm doing well, but I think we should maybe say not a lot of crazy things have happened between you and I. I think more to you and us. Just so our just so the six of you actually listening to know, Armando and I are still cool with each other. Absolutely, man. And the Mets definitely deserve to beat the Dodgers. We didn't we didn't stand a chance. Too many holes in that lineup. The Mets pitching was outstanding and Daniel fucking Murphy is a legend. Uh, but uh, go ahead, Justin. Tell me, man. Tell me how the journey was. I know you got to catch a couple of those games live and stuff. So that's fantastic. Let the listeners know, man, what it's like on, on such a good ride. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things where coming in and knowing that you had to face Greinke and Kershaw twice each in a short series. There's not a ton of confidence you can usually pull from that. I mean, the, the thing that the Mets had to hope for was they, they took one in L.A. of that first two and then were hopefully able to take two in a row. But when Kershaw came back and pitched that game four, which, by the way, anybody who ever says that Clayton Kershaw is not a clutch pitcher, just stop watching baseball. Thank you. Thank you. I hate that fucking argument. Just stop watching baseball. That was... He, he, the Mets could have hit him, tried to hit him for 18 innings there, and they wouldn't have gotten a scratch. Going into a game five, knowing it was going to be DeGrom against Granke, and then DeGrom with that terrible first inning he had, I mean, I, I, thought, I thought we were done. But Daniel Murphy uh, willed the Mets to the win, then, you know, came up against Chicago and did his best uh, Babe Ruth impression, and then had a week off, and everything went to shit. Yeah, man, that that's what seemed to happen. Like you guys were going as Daniel Murphy was going, and and once he cooled off, it seemed like you guys started to sputter a little bit. Yeah, it's also you know I think the uh, Royals are just a better constructed team from the offensive side of the plate, and I think in games one and two, and this is what bothered me more than anything was Degrom and Harvey seemed to pitch more to a scouting report of trying to go off speed constantly instead of challenging the Royals and just saying here, look, here's my best stuff. This is my fastball. Try to hit this, and they and they just and I felt that like that played into the Royals' hands 
what's gotten them, what got the Mets to the World Series is throwing is having a bunch of starters who throw harder than everybody else with more command than everybody else and being really dominant. And you you saw that Matt Harvey did that in Game Five. Uh, you know what happened at the end of Game Five is something I I, I don't want to get into because it hurts. But Matt Harvey for that eight innings was just you know, he was he was unreal and. That's what Matt Harvey can do, and that's and that's also what happens when you have a guy who's going out there and really challenging guys. You saw it with Cindergard on the in Game Three. Sometimes, if you just throw hard enough, it doesn't matter how good the other team is at making contact; they're not going to make good contact. Yeah, and I think that's something you guys had going for you, especially with the youth. You know, the, the, that type of like, here's my best stuff. Let's see what you got. Is is definitely the approach you guys should have taken with those arms. And I think, like you said, the, how they worked the first couple games in the scouting report, it was to their detriment because they're not those types of pitchers just yet. I mean, they're maturing and stuff, but they don't need to rely on scouting reports. When you have stuff like Degrom, who can just reach back and 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 you know throw it, then and throw it by people on a regular basis, you know, it's something that you got to take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. And hats off to the Royals. They're, you know, that's a really well-assembled team. I, I was questioning how good they'd be just because of what they played against in the AL Central. But there's, you know, there's a reason that team won 95 games in that division. They're really good, well-constructed lineup. And I think I said, and, both, and, and you agreed when we did our playoff preview, team with unfinished business, team you don't want to see. And it, it worked out that way for me. I'm, I'm really, really not glad about it but i hope that the mets take a page from them uh and uh you know the interesting thing for major league baseball is the mets open in kansas city next year so the mets are seeing the royals the team that just beat them in the world series put up their banner kind of hope that that serves as some motivation to sit there and just have like a giant fu season to the rest of major league baseball you know what's funny man is i was talking to my brother who 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 you chat to a little bit and he's a mets fan as well and uh I was telling them that same exact thing, that you guys next year can be the Royals of this season. You guys have are almost identical in the way you guys were a little early this year, just like they were a little early last year, but they learned, they fought, they were scrappy, they have the talent, they have the arms, and, and to be fair, you guys will have the money to spend as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just going to be, and we'll obviously get further into this when we preview the NL East offseason it needs. You know, there There's some important holes to fill, but... I left the series, and maybe this was me just trying to say this outwardly because I, because I didn't want to uh, seem like I was falling apart at the seams, even though inwardly I was falling apart at the seams. That it's a bright future for the team, and you're never look, you're never guaranteed to get back to the World Series because that's really hard to do. But this is going to be a team that's going to have a few shots, and I just gotta hope that they, that they can take that they can take one of them because that pitching staff is really really good under control and not going to be making a lot of money for a while. So they're going to, they're going to be held together. And one other thing, uh, I've been hard on Matt Harvey every so often. After what he did in the playoffs, especially, especially Game 5, even though, we, even though the Mets lost, that guy is that uh, back, uh, back in my heart. He's the Dark Knight again. Oh, he's back at the good graces? For this week. Well, you know, for this week. Good. Well, he deserved it, man. He really went out there and he he proved his mettle and and, and he, he gave you guys everything he had in that tank. And, you know, it's refreshing to see. I know there was a little bit of a, a, a hoopla at the end of the season and everything with managing his innings, but he really came out in the postseason and gave it everything he got and really emptied the tank for you guys. And, and that's what you guys need. And I think, like you were talking about, young arms that, that, that 
you know, have the future and don't have to pay him a lot. Another arm that you guys are going to get and you guys are only getting healthier is going to be Zach Wheeler, and that's only going to help you guys even more. Yeah, although I, I, I will say the Mets have some needs with bats. Uh, the free agent market isn't strong, so I wouldn't be shocked to see Zach Wheeler traded. That, that, that wouldn't shock me. No, I don't think it'd shock anybody, but I think, I, I think especially proving what you guys did this season without him, I think he would be the piece that's most likely to get dealt. But, you know, we'll get, we'll get to that on a later podcast. So another thing that Armando and I wanted to discuss, and I don't know how brief we'll be with this one because there's a, some, some good points in this to bring up, is the Hall of Fame ballot was just released. First-time names, Ken Griffey Jr., Trevor Hoffman. And then you have that glut of players who haven't been elected under the cloud of steroid suspicion. That said, 12 voters, or I, think, I think it was 12 or 13 votes, were eliminated from the from uh, the voting process, They're, they seem to be all older voters, which might take away some of the stain of the purity of the game. So the question now becomes, who's going to get into Cooperstown when that whole vote is held in two months? Or I think it's announced in two months. The vote's held soon. Yeah, and I think the biggest question, I, I mean, I don't know where your stance is on this, but as time has passed, I think I, I've gotten even softer on the steroid thing, and I, I kind of started to feel bad for some of these guys. Uh, and I think, like, Mark McGuire, this is his last chance to get yeah. in. And, um, I mean, Mark McGuire's numbers speak for themselves. As a Southern California kid and growing up, basically played in the same little league in Pomona that Mark McGuire played at and, and played high school ball in the same division that Mark McGuire played in uh, against the teams that, that he went to school with and stuff like that. Uh, he, he's big time, along with the Giambis around here, and those are big names around here. That's something for me, I don't know. Mark McGuire is something that I've, I, I used to say adamantly, no, he can't get in, he shouldn't be in, and then, and, you know, now I'm starting to waver, and I, I started to feel bad for the guy, and I do think that he did leave a mark on the game, and whether it was good uh, or bad, something's learned nonetheless with, with the game and, and through Mark McGuire. And, and what the summer when him and Sammy were going at it and how that rejuvenated the game, that can't be taken away either, and he, he should get some credit for that, I think. Yeah, and I mean, if you're looking at the you know that summer, summer 98, Baseball was in a serious lull, especially, you know, the strike base destroyed so much goodwill with the fan base because it was owners and players arguing about gargantuan sums of money. So both people were getting paid and the only people who were really losing out were fans. Baseball needed that as much as it, you know, now gets drawn into the suspicion of they were, you know, these guys are all steroid cheats. Is it cheating if everybody is on the same thing? Exactly, man. It's not to say pitchers weren't on it either. Clemens, Gagne, the list goes on and on. It was equal, you know, participation on both ends there. Yeah, and I think that the that the line for you know this whole and I, and I don't like sanctimony amongst these types of things anyway because if you're talking about the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, you're talking about a, a, a Hall of Fame that has some of its best players ever, like a Ty Cobb or a Babe Ruth. What did they never play against? Black players. Right. You're talking about sanctimony. This is a this is a Hall of Fame that protects abhorrent racism, but doesn't, you know, but at this at the same token, will sit there and castigate an entirely different era of player. Absolutely, it's, it, man. It's it's a really, really odd mix. But a guy like McGuire, I think, is a, I, I think he, you know, if, if it if the whole steroid thing doesn't speak, come out, he's coming in with one of the highest hall of, he's going in with one of the highest percentages ever. Same goes for a guy like a Sosa. 
Same goes for, I mean, Bonds would actually probably go in unanimously because he's the best player I've ever seen, steroids or not. And he would have gone in before that. Yeah, absolutely. Before 2000, when he was with Pittsburgh, I think he was still at 500 home runs and, and, and 500 seals before he ever signed with the Giants. Yeah, and, and or I think no, I think I think before he started taking steroids. Sorry, you know, like yeah, and but for me, that guy is Barry's one guy that I just can't, I, I just can't, and it's more than just uh, the steroids. I think his smug attitude, him as a person, is something that I could never get around, and 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 him being a giant, just watching him do that to me for so many years is is just so painful, you know. And, and that's somebody that I I don't know, that's somebody that I can't forgive as uh, so, contradicting as that is. I think I think you feel the same way about Bonds that I do about Clemens. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, like just seeing him throw at Piazza's head, seeing him in a roid rage throw a sharp bat at Piazza during a World Series game. That's a, it's kind of the same way I feel about it, it's definitely the same way I feel about him. I'm not a particularly big fan of either player though, but I recognize how good they were and the fact is Clemens, another guy who probably would have been a Hall of Famer before he ever considered taking steroids. Yeah, for sure. And the thing, a story about Clemens is I heard somewhere or read somewhere, he used to put Icy Hot on his balls before a game because he said that he, nobody should be comfortable on the mound. That is bizarre. Yeah, but that's the epitome of Roger Clemens, man. Throwing bats at, at Mike Piazza. Like, what says Roger Clemens' intensity more than Icy Hot on the balls? Pretty much nothing. I mean, that's... That's taking like the Texas like cowboy steer thing too seriously. He's basically spurring himself. <laughs> yeah, but this is the man that the wife would inject herself with steroids as well. So we're talking about a very bizarre family in itself. Yeah, yeah I think he probably definitely just threw at his son when he was when he was coaching little league. <laughs> There's no doubt Kobe Clemens got thrown at by his father many times. Oh man, I could just picture that in my head, and it's so believable. I own this plate. <laughs> yeah, man. But moving on, dude. Ken Griffey Jr. He's made the ballot. Obviously, he's going to go in unanimously. I, I'd have to say first shot. Oh, there's, there's. I don't think anybody's ever going to go in unanimously. I think the highest ever was like ninety eight point eight three percent. Just because there's so, always some asshole who's like, I don't want anybody to be a unanimous Hall of Famer. That's exactly it. Yeah, but it's always just some asshole, and I always hate that. You're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. It shouldn't matter. First ballot unanimously. You're either you are you're either a legend, or you're just a very good player, right? Because to get on a Hall of Fame ballot, you have to be a very good player. But yeah, yeah, that's the difference between the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Very Good. Exactly. Don Mattingly is in the Hall of Very Good. Forever will be. Yeah. Um, not as a manager. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Mediocre at best. Yeah. Sorry, Donnie. Thanks for the service. It's all right. He's in the division now. I'm cool with that. What a step down. Poor Donnie. <sighs> Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, so going back to that, Ken Griffey Jr. absolutely should be, will be in his, on the first ballot. And that's where it gets interesting, right? Because closers, Hoffman, even though he's the all-time saves leader, it's a tough one because the Hall has always hated closers. Yeah, I could see that one being tough. You know, it's hard for relievers. But, but the game has evolved with time, so I think it, it's got to it's gotta give eventually. I think it'll give eventually, but I just don't see him getting in on his first ballot. Yeah, no, I don't think it'll be his first ballot either, but I think this is evolving in the way that the DH, the DH is evolving and how that will be when, like, Ortiz gets in and stuff. Like, they got to let you in. Yeah, and, and I think that Trevor Hoffman is a Hall of Fame pitcher. Absolutely, absolutely. I love Trevor Hoffman. 
who else is on that ballot who might benefit this from? So Piazza was very close next last year. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of uh, you know a skin in the game for both of us for Mike Piazza going into the Hall of Fame. Was a great Dodger before he was a great Met, most home best offensive catcher who ever lived, and lives under that stain of the steroid era, just because a New York Times writer, writer wrote about his you know tremendously large amounts of back knee. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, Murray, and Murray Chess is actually one of the writers, I believe, who had his vote taken away. Well, good, rightfully so, if you're going to be slandering people with bullshit like that. But I think Piazza was at 69% last year. You need to be at 75 to get in. I think he cracks it this time. And I think you see a massive increase for Jeff Bagwell as well. Bagpipes? Good. I yeah. love Jeff Bagwell. I think he deserves to be in there. Him and Biggio, the Killer Bees, they, they deserve it. Yeah, and Bagwell, that, that Astros team was good for a long time. And I also just don't think that, uh, once again, Bagwell's one of those guys where there was you know a tremendous amount of anything except for hearsay. Because, you know, they're like, how can a guy who's this small hit for this much power? Yeah, and I think, like you said, it's all speculation. And that's one of the most unfortunate things about this era is that people without proof are just being, you know, held to a different standard. And that's not fair either. And then I wonder how long before... When's Jim Tomey on the ballot? Uh, I'm not, it's got to be soon. Yeah, it's got to be, if not next year, then maybe two years tops. It feels like it's yeah. been a while. Yeah, because, I mean, he's, he's over 600 home runs. Oh, yeah, Jim Tomey's got to be first ballot for me. Yeah, yeah you know? absolutely, agreed. But, and then also coming up soon would probably be Chipper Jones, who, as much as I hate him, I respect him, and I think he's absolutely a first ballot Hall of Famer. Probably the best switch hitter of our time, uh, power-wise, for sure. Probably best third baseman of our time. Also, uh, a great team player. Moved to left field when the Braves needed that. Came back to third when the Braves needed that. Uh, you know, one franchise man. He gave it all for the Braves. And, and you know, like you said, it's something probably bittersweet for you because, uh, you know, you he watched him beat you guys so many times. He named his kid Shea, for God's sakes. But uh, but Chipper definitely deserves to be there. Yeah, I think Chipper, Chipper and Mets fans have a very strange relationship. There's actually, like, a, a strange begrudging love there. It's weird because you don't usually like the guy who's beating you up every single day or in, in elementary school. But then when you get to the same size as him and you throw a punch in his face and he's like, OK, yeah, I'm going to stop now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's the thing about the Hall of Fame. It's it's so much conjecture. And there are just some players who, you know, absolutely should be in and that some of them aren't is a travesty. I think also this is one of the last year Tim Raines is on the ballot. Yeah, I think this this might be the last. This might be it for The Rock. Yeah, and then that's I, I really hope he gets in. Like Bagwell, he was close last, last year, probably about 50%, high 40s maybe. And I think Tim Raines really deserves to be in there. Uh, he was a great servant of the game, and, and he still is. And, and he he was just such a different to what was out there at the time. You know what I mean? He was, he was just a great ball player and, and something that's underappreciated. And a lot of the things he did are undervalued now, I think. Yeah, plus also, I want to see someone go in as a Montreal Expo, just because that would be fun for me. Yeah, I, the Expos were a great franchise, man, and I really hope that, that Montreal gets another team out there. I think I really enjoyed when the Dodgers had trips out there, even though I remember the stadium always being empty. I did, I did enjoy watching Vlad Guerrero and Bartolo Colon and those players, uh, Henry Rodriguez, and, and, and they, had, they had a good team, and, and, and they had a good little franchise, and, and it's a shame that they got, you know... They became what they became. I mean, if you want to speak about a team destroyed by the strike, that Montreal, the, the Expos in 94 were 
by far the best team in baseball before the strike. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's hardly any arguing that. Yeah, I mean, they would have won a title, but instead it ended up killing the game in Mex- in uh, Canada. I was about to say Mexico, but wrong, wrong, wrong way. way. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the game was, the game was destroyed in uh, Montreal, and that, that's a shame because that was, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed those older rivalries, plus I hate the Washington Nationals. Yeah, the Nationals are still weird to me. It still feels foreign. Uh, you know, I, we grew, I, we just grew up in a time where the Expos were what they were. That was part of the, the NL East, and that was what it was. And now the Washington Nationals is just odd for me. Yeah, and it's also the whole relocation of sports franchises. And you're about to learn a lot about this in the NFL, Armando. Uh, it's, it's like forced, forced passion. Yeah, absolutely. Because now the buzz around here that you mentioned this NFL shit, everybody who who follows a team. I mean, I'm a Browns fan from all the way out here, right? But out here now, the talk is: so if they come out here, are you gonna support? Blah 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 blah. Who cares? Like, if your passion isn't there, why force it? I don't understand that. Why do I have to love the Raiders or the Chargers if I don't really love the Raiders or the Chargers? Yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense for me. Or the Rams. Or the Rams. You will actually find, like, that random person who didn't, you know, move on from, like, 1988 who is going to start going to Rams games and be like, my Flipper Anderson jersey still fits. Oh, I got a buddy like that. His dad is that guy. His dad is that guy. Huh. Well, it, it should be interesting, but we digress. But it's a good time to get back into uh, the Los Angeles area. And uh, maybe let's start our AOS previews with... The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Yeah, the Angels, I think, have a lot of holes they're going to have to plug, man. Um, They're not exactly the most stoutest offensively. They need a left-handed bat. Second base, third base are are places they need uh, plugging. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're losing David Freeze, Chris Iannetta, Shea Victorino, and uh, a couple outfielders in Murphy and De Jesus. So those are spots they have to fill. I, I I don't see the Angels being able to compete in the long term for a while because of the contracts that they have to pay with Pujols and uh, and Trout. So I think it's going to be hard for them to pick people up, especially at the premium. But I do think that players, I know you're not going to like this, but maybe a Daniel Murphy who could play third, play a little bit of second, a left-handed bat that could fill multiple needs is somebody that they can go after. Oh, no, first off, I'm fine with, with, with the Mets losing Murph because I think he's an AL player. And I actually think that he fits perfectly in a city like Los Angeles, where he can, or a city like Anaheim, where he can spell. Uh, Thank you. Where he can spell Pujols, uh, you know, here and there on uh, at first base, get some games at DH, get some games at third. You know, there, he's a he's a guy who's definitely really well served by the DH, who'd really be a good fit for this team. Uh, I do wonder about their starting pitching a bit. Just because I don't see past Garrett Richards, who had a very up and down season, and Jared Weaver, who's really gonna who's really gonna step up for him. I mean, Latos and Heaney, very, very, very questionable. Just not a ton in the rotation that I like, even though their pitching peripherals were good. The bullpen's not bad. That I will say. The bullpen isn't bad, but bullpen's always such uh, an up and it's it's a roller coaster. It's great one year, down the next. But I feel like they really just need to improve the rotation. And that's a terrible defensive team, by the way. 
Yeah, absolutely. They, they, and that's that's a big problem. I mean, if you're going to be a team that doesn't score a lot of runs like the Angels, you got to catch the ball and you got to play stout defensively, and that's not something they're doing. They, they're not saving runs. In fact, they're giving even more away. Yeah, because if you look at the players on the team who you know will be there for a while or that you have to build around, like Pujols you have to build around because he's owed $165 million bucks over the next six seasons, which is crazy for a player who – Look, he did have a, somewhat of a bounce back year, but 244 from Albert Pujols isn't the Albert Pujols that we know. Uh, obviously, Mike Trout is a player you build around, and you try to give Mike Trout, you try to get Mike Trout to sign as for as long term as you possibly can. Past that, I mean, who else really in that lineup can you build around? David Murphy is a solid piece. Cole Calhoun's a solid piece. Uh, Eric Ibar is a good defensive shortstop. Doesn't really give you much with the bat. The catchers and the catching situation with Ionetta and Carlos Perez and Jeff Bandy, not so good. It's just, it, there's just a lot of holes there. And I think that they need to probably prioritize some defense, especially also because that's a big part. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a big park. And yeah, they need to prioritize. Catcher, like you said, has been a revolving door since Benji Molina left. And that's been quite some time now. So they really need to, you know, solidify certain areas and, and build a spine and a core to that team. But I think they're going to have to do it. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Through youth because, like I said, their, their hands, I know Artie's got a, a lot of cash, but their hands are a little bit tied, especially with those contracts that we mentioned and even Josh Hamilton money they owe still. Damn, CJ Wilson's getting eighteen five. Yeah, to be mediocre. I'm sure. J- I'm sure Weaver, who has become a very average pitcher, is making Eight. buku bucks. Eighteen two. Yeah. See. Yeah. You can't yeah. win like that. Trust me. No. We had Kevin Brown, Darren Dreifert. You can't do it. 
Yeah, they're just throwing bad money after bad. Oof. Yeah, there's there's not a lot. There's 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 a there's a 500 baseball team is currently constructed just because of Trout and Pujols' ability to hit the ball out of the park. Yeah, exactly. 500 at best. Exactly. They actually they probably overachieved last year. Yeah, they did because Pujols was. And let's be honest, like you said, that average was not great for Albert Pujols, but his power numbers were up, and that's the only reason they they got as far as they did. To be fair, yeah, yeah, they definitely overachieved. But biggest biggest uh, area of need, just give one. Uh, I would say a left-handed bat, left-handed yeah. bat with with decent power. I mean, I don't need a, a 35 homer guy, but give me a 19 through 24 homer guy that hits 280, and you'll be all right. All right, I'm going to go with a frontline starter who misses bats. But who? All right, you got a name for me? Frontline starter who misses bats. Willing I mean, to go to Anaheim? They'll make a bid on Grinky. They're just not going to get him. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Zach Grinky. I'm afraid for the worst. Understandable. But you guys have a lot of money, so you'll end up you'll end up with some arm. Yeah, that David uh, Price fellow seems okay. Yeah, yeah he does. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the Texas Rangers, the division champion. Previously, uh, eighty-eight wins, won the division. Lowest, by the way, lowest division winner in all of baseball. This is a team that relies on just a ton of production from the lineup and ha- having their pitching be. Just good enough. Not particularly good, but just good enough. I mean, they're keeping their core pieces. I mean, you know, Beltre's there. They got some nice pieces in DeShields, Odor. Uh, Mitch Moreland was good. You know, they have some pieces. Offensively, Prince Fielder was solid. Uh, they're losing Giovanni Gariotto. Kobe Lewis is a free agent. Uh, Mike Napoli's gone, but Mike Napoli hasn't really been that great recently. But Giovanni Gariotto is probably, and Kobe Lewis are the biggest that they hopefully can resign. And I think frontline starter uh, other than them too, somebody better than that is what they need to compliment you Darvish a little bit more. Well, and they do have Hamels under contract for another year. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And Darvish, I mean, that's Darvish probably won't be back until mid June, but that's actually, but that's actually okay for them because if they're going, if they're going to go deep, that'll put Darvish in a spot where he doesn't have to get shut down in that year after surgery. Yeah, exactly, and he can be a little bit fresher, a little bit livelier, a little bit of that Wainwright situation, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at their lineup, not a ton of holes. You look at the bullpen, ton of holes. But that seems to be the case all the time. Like they're That actually just the is the Texas Rangers. Yes, that's the epitome of that club. That's how they're built, that's their structure, that's their core. It's in their DNA to have a shitty bullpen and rake. Yeah, I mean, they that's where they actually should probably trade one of their position prospects or players for someone with a bit for some arms. Because if you look at what they have going right now, I mean, Runet Onor, Jerickson Profar, who Profar is value, obviously, being down because he hasn't really played in about two full seasons. Delano DeShields, Joey Gallo. Those are four very, very, very good prospects, especially Gallo, who apparently can hit a ball to the moon if he really wants to. <laughs> that's what I hear. Yeah, I, I I can imagine pitching to I think because I think Gallo also played with Harper and Chris Bryant in AAU ball. Yeah, that's 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 right. Who wants to pitch to those three at the age of seventeen? Man, I don't want to pitch to them at the age of thirty-three. Fair point. But thinking about it on the, where they can improve, it just looks like really it's just the bullpen. 
because they're also just very, very salary committed. I mean, Josh Hamilton, whatever the Angels aren't picking up, they're still paying. They're paying an aging Shin Su Chu, who actually did have a decent season. Yeah, but that's a contract that they're going to regret, much like the Angels in the Pujols deal. They're going to regret that down the line because Chu got a lot of money, especially in the back end. Prince Fielder making $24 million. I mean, Mike Napoli, I, I, I don't see him coming back for much. Yeah, that's the key is how much – what's his price? Because I don't think that people are going to be, you know, biting their arm off outbidding the Rangers. I think, you know, if he wants to be there, he, he'll be there. Yeah, he's thirty. He's thirty four, and he can't hit right handed pitching. There, that that's a that's a cheap player at this point in his career. I think he's really just going to look for one more shot at a uh, at a title, and he's really well loved in Texas. Um, Elvis Andrews is an interesting player on this roster because he is coming off of a a pretty average season, but his defense just really went to shit. Yeah, we saw him capitulate uh, in the playoffs in that one inning against Toronto, uh, and that was, you know, I don't know. Elvis Andrews, who's, who's had a, a pretty good record of being a, a very solid shortstop and, and defensively has had a little bit of a brain fart here and there, especially in the playoffs, and it seems like the moment got too big for him. Yeah, and also I think that, that some of the talk is that Profar might end up uh... – I mean, even though he's still not throwing because he's coming off his second shoulder surgery, apparently he's playing well in the Arizona Fall League, and he might end up uh, getting a bunch of reps at shortstop with the chance of them finally saying, like, can he take this job full-time? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting spring, definitely, uh, especially at the shortstop position for the Rangers. One other question about this team before we move on. Adrian Beltre, over under 30 home runs next year. I love Adrian Beltre, so I will say over. The over going into the age thirty seven season, I'm gonna actually have to I'm gonna have to disagree, but I still think he's gonna be a really good player. The dude that just bangs him out off one knee because he overswang and his helmet's falling off, you're only giving him twenty eight dingers. How dare you? Only had eighteen this season, but also he's just a lovely man. Yeah, he's an excellent ball player and it's a shame. That's one of the ones that got away that really hurts me the most about the Dodgers, to be fair. Yeah, but he took a lot of money from uh Seattle. <laughs> That was gonna that was gonna take a lot of money at a time in which your ownership was in an entirely different place. Yeah, for sure, man. I understand. Still not happy about it, but let's move no, on, I, man. I understand. Yeah, so let's go to the uh, before we get to the real dregs of the division. The Houston Astros, second place, lost in the ALCS to the Kansas City Royals. I really wish they had closed that series out when they had two innings to go, because I'd be a much happier person right now. But uh, but the uh, the Astros, great young team. Uh, definitely have a, a solid future, decent rotation, probably uh, overachieved pitching a bit this year because, you know, Keuchel, Kazmir, McCullers, McHugh, all, that's a solid front four. Yeah, it's, even, though, even though Kazmir's a free agent and probably walks. Yeah, I, he, he's going to walk, I think, but that's going to be the big question, I think. If they could get somebody of that ilk, of that caliber, if not Casimir, then somebody to replace him of that quality. Because, like you said, the other three solid starters, that's a solid front four. Uh, you know, Kobe Rasmus is somebody who's a free agent as well, and he had a big playoffs for them, big postseason. And he's a player that's very streaky. Uh, he could defend a little bit. He, You know, he's hot and cold, but Kobe Rasmus is a solid ball player, and he seemed to fit in well there. I think their biggest issue is going to be bullpen, and that seems to be a big theme. 
and and we've noticed that the game has evolved to where bullpen will win you championships if you have enough arms and you're deep enough there. So so we've seen that, and I think that that's going to be the main need here because they can hit. They 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 were top five team, in, if not the top team in homers. Uh, they're young, you know. They're athletic. They're aggressive. It's a team I really like going forward. I just think if they could solidify the back end of the games with a good bullpen, then they'll be they'll be good for many years to come. Yeah, I think that's pretty much their only need and just, you know, making sure they can get enough innings out of the back end of their rotation. Because if you look at this team, it's also unreal defensively. Yeah, that's another bonus. Yeah, Chris Carter is a very good defensive first baseman. Altuve is a gold glove second baseman. Correa is going to be a gold glove shortstop. Lowry and Valbuena do a good enough job at third. And then that outfield, you know, Marisnik, Rasmus, Tucker, Springer, Gomez, all those guys cover a lot of ground. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 that's the thing in a ballpark like Houston, uh, with all that space, you know, in the alleys and deep in center, that that they they need people to go out and get it, and and they definitely do that. Yeah, so they're 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 definitely an an interesting team going forward. I actually think that this is a team that wins ninety five games next year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. They're definitely uh, favorites in the West for sure. Yeah, just they just need everybody to stay healthy. That's the that's the big thing. Yeah, and that's a big thing for a lot of teams. I think health is always a concern, but if if they can stay healthy, they they're, they're going to be the team to beat in that division. All right, so we got two more teams in this division. They're both bad. Do we want to start with uh, Seattle, or do you want to go with Oakland first? Let's go with uh, Penny Pinton Oakland. Give me okay. your thoughts, my man. This is a terrible baseball team. <laughs> Not a ton of talent. I mean, if I'm then, there's only one move I can make. I'm trading Sonny Gray to to restock my my farm system. I can't disagree with you. Like you said, they're really not a great team. I can't even tell you that they have any key free agents going because they don't have that many key players. Um, well, it, they also never signed anyone. I mean, well, that's the thing. I mean, I could sit here and tell you what they're gonna do. They're gonna sign more depth for when somebody gets injured. They got the identical replacement there. They're gonna sign mediocre pitching. One's gonna play way better than people expected, or a pitcher that somebody gave up on, and then he's gonna come back, have a good year. They'll trade him midseason for some more mediocre talent. This is what has happened in Oakland since since Mulder, Hudson, and Zito left. To be fair. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at this, they're the key players that uh, on the team: Billy Butler, ugh. Josh Reddick, ugh. yeah, way too much. Coco Crisp is a nice player six years ago. Yeah, and he's a nice player, but you can't build a franchise on a nice player like Coco Crisp. Let's be honest, man. Yeah, Stephen Stephen Vogt is an okay player who just came out of nowhere last year to hit a bunch of home runs, but at thirty-one, that's likely a fluke. And then. In the rotation, I mean, it's just a giant pile of garbage. They've got Sonny, Sonny Gray basically is the only guy on this team who I think is a, an above-replacement value player. Yeah, he's the only guy that anybody would be worth shopping for on that team. And like you said, that's their best bet is to just, you know, go ahead, let him go, and then for the betterment and hopefully pick up two, three, four good pieces that you can build around. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, though, is who's actually even going to be in the market for that because... The issue is you're trading with Billy Bean. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, well, 
And that's the only way that the A's have ever been competitive, though, is Billy Bean has been able to squeeze the most juice out of his lemons. And, and, you know, he rolled the dice and was lucky on a few players and he was able to, you know, build a little bit for one, two years. But it's not something that has been sustainable or can be sustainable. We've seen that because they're constantly they have one, two shots and then they're down for six, seven years. And that's not, you know healthy to be fair but i guess if you're not trying to spend money then i guess it's acceptable yeah i mean i think getting their own ballpark might help them a little bit yeah I mean, the, the oakland coliseum is is dilapidated it's a terrible place to watch a ball game too man yeah i i've never watched a game there i've just i just know it is pretty pretty beat up and pretty old yeah, yeah, it has a little bit of a prison feel, some some of the places with all the concrete and stuff, but yeah. Yeah, plus, I mean, Raider fans scare me. Yeah, they're not all bad, man. No, I'm just saying, just just a guy who always wears, like, the studded biker outfits with black face paint while I'm watching, while I'm watching the Jets go out there and predictably lose, which they do in Oakland all the time. God, just scares me. Yeah. Yeah, but that said, moving on from the Raiders, for the Raiders, <laughs> yeah, we can also Raiders. say about the athletics that the, le- the less said about them, the better. <laughs> this is a bad team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, but the Mariners, man, I mean, they have some pieces. Robbie Cano's not what he was in New York, but he's, 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 he's a solid piece, and he can come back and have an even better year next year. Uh, Nelson Cruz played out of his mind. Will he do it again? Probably because he's done it for the last couple years. Uh, yeah. You know, I like Seeger. I like Seeger even more now. You know, his brother plays for our team, and you know, it's nice. Yeah, I, I, no, they're they're a team that I actually think. Uh, also, they're, they've shown a willingness to spend money, so they're not. You know, Seattle not being the world's biggest baseball market, and it's not a small market because of the fact that it's a small city that doesn't. Because it's actually a reasonable. It's actually a pretty big city, and it's you know, it's a team that has money. It's they spend. I feel like it's just the nether world of baseball because Seattle is so far from everything else. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I think Seattle, like you said, it's not a small city. It's it's a big city, and they have a huge following because all the way down to Portland and Oregon, it's all Mariners that they talk about because they don't have a team and stuff. So a lot of surrounding states love the Mariners, but like you said, there's not. It's very far from its competition. Getting up to Seattle and stuff like that is a hassle, and and. Like you said, there's not much in Seattle for, for that attracts these big name players, and, and it's hard. But like you said, they do, they do like this. They're willing to spend the money. We've seen that with Cano. We've seen that in the past. They have a beautiful ballpark, and uh, I just think it's about getting the right pieces and spending that many that money, you know, correctly. It's not, you know, I think they've made a few mistakes in the past and how they spend their money. But we've seen Seattle is a great baseball city, and they deserve that. Like when. Edgar Martinez, Jay Buhner, Randy Johnson were doing it and, and getting to the playoffs regularly. When Ichiro and them had the best record in baseball, won over 100 games. Those teams, we saw how passionate of a city Seattle was for their baseball. And, and, and I think it'd be nice to get back to that. I mean, don't forget, this is the city that had to contain a 20-year-old Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, exactly. There's not, you know, that city is... a. Uh, it's been through a lot with him, probably. <laughs> yeah, if those if those walls could talk. Yeah, I mean that's actually when he was perceived to be humble, right? Was he ever perceived to be humble? Yeah, I think he those was were then. the days. Yeah, quiet, yeah. soft-spoken kid who just went about his business. 
and went 40-40 every year. But if you look at the team, there's an interesting construction. The one thing I want to talk about with this team is Taiwan Walker has been projected to be a a shutdown number one starter for years. And is it ever going to happen? Uh, I mean, they're banking on it. Do I think so? I think he has the potential to be so, but there's the big word is potential. And uh, I'm a fan of his, so I'm going to say yeah. And I hope that this is his breakout season. I think that this is the year that he it comes together. I think it's a... I think it's a mental thing, and maybe the way he prepares isn't the best way to prepare. You know, he's still relatively young, and, and I think that that has a lot to do with it. I just think once he gets it and it clicks, he's going to be dominant. I I, I would agree. It's it, Also because, you know, he's still very, very young. He's 23. A lot of the hype has been on the fact that this is a guy who didn't pitch in college, went through the Mariner system, went through it very quickly, by the way, and now he's, uh you know, Got it. They're, they're counting on him to be their number two, three. I mean, depending upon where you place him or Iwakuma in the rotation. One of the things I quickly see in this team that really, really needs addressing is the lack of left hand, a left-handed starter. You can't just keep throwing righties out at, at every single night. You do need to change the, um, you know, other teams' lineups. Can't let them get comfortable. Can't see the same thing too, too often. Yeah, especially now that the game's evolved to such a matchup type game, percentages being played, shifts, and everything else, it's very important to keep to to mix it up and to keep these teams on their toes. Because, like you said, once you get too reliable or too comfortable, and you know what you're going to see time after time, and the only thing that changes is the arm slot, you're gonna you're not going to be successful as a pitching staff. Yeah, but I mean, they did also just add Nathan Carnes in the first trade of the postseason. Did give away Logan Morrison and Brad Miller. Brad Miller is actually a pretty decent major league player. Um, he'll definitely help out Tampa Bay, and we'll speak about that more when we get to the AL East. And I feel like you know, shortstop was a position where the Mariners do have some depth due to prospects, but they will probably miss Miller early in the season because of his versatility. And Logan Morrison, at this point, I'm actually going to view as a quadruple-A player. Yeah, Logan Morrison, I don't know. I've never been a fan of the guy. Uh, I mean, he has some pop, he has some versatility, but he's never been consistent, and he's never been able to show it on a regular basis. Um, And he's kind of an ass. He is a a major ass. Well, there you go. Major ass. Yeah, major Major ass. ass. (laughs) I learned that from... I could have told you about that from his days in Florida. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've heard and read a lot of things, and it's just like, dude, like, good, get out of here. I'm glad you got traded. Yeah. One thing that they could use is one of their two former catching prospects, either Jesus Montero, former Yankee catching prospect who was traded for Miguel Pineda a few years ago, or Mike Zanino, who they took in their first round of a draft about two or three years ago, to be able to hit above 220. That would be really useful for them, especially also now because Montero – uh, loses a lot of his value to them as a catcher because he's no longer playing there. So he actually needs to show some pop at first base. Right, exactly. And I think Zanino has the talent to, to, to hit very well. He, he was a great hitter in college. Um, he, he's shown pop at the major league level. I think it's a matter of you know finding consistency and shortening the swing and, and just trying to make solid contact instead of trying to bang the ball out like a lot of these young kids are doing nowadays. But I do think with him, it's also a matter of learning to be a major league catcher, managing a staff, and there's a lot of things going on there. I think once he gets settled in there, he'll, he'll we'll see his offense come around a little bit more. Agreed. There is one thing about this team I want to lament briefly, which is Franklin Gutierrez's loss of his first step. Because several years ago, uh, there was no better center field to watch, center fielder to watch. 
Yeah, he was a lot of fun. He could really go out and get it. He reminded me a lot of like uh, that guy who just won a Gold Glove for Tampa Bay. Um, uh, Kevin Kiermaier. Yes, yes, very reminiscent of that. Yeah, he. Yeah, I mean, he reminded me of like a Kiermaier or an Andrew Jones, just someone who. Oh, I'm, I, I can play shallow because I'll get to everything. You're not putting the ball in the gap beyond me. And he made it look so smooth when he did it, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he had, he had one of the best nicknames I've ever heard: "Death to all flying things." <laughs> Can't argue with that. Yeah. But I, I have really not much else on the Mariners. This is a team that, um, you know, a few good additions they can become. They they can they can challenge for being a 500 baseball team next season. But it's all. But it, you know, there's a lot of work to do there still. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, but the biggest thing that all these teams could probably use is pitching. <laughs> I think that's the name of the game nowadays, and that's where we're going. And then I think uh, we're seeing more and more strong power arms coming, you know, through the minors and, and through youth level baseball. And it's ridiculous how many people are throwing 95 through 98, and then hitting the hundred mark regularly. And and so that's where the game's going. So the more arms and the more depth you have there, the more successful you're going to be. Actually, before we move off the Mariners, I want to ask you a crazy question. Much like with the A's, where we said you know trading Sonny Gray is the best way for them to restock their system. Imagine the haul you can get for Felix Hernandez. Yeah, and that time might come, to be fair. I don't know if he's looking disinterested or not enjoying his time in Seattle anymore or he's tired of losing or whatever it is, but I think I saw a little bit of a different uh, Felix Hernandez last year, and I think it might be his time might be coming to an end there, maybe in the next couple years. Yeah, and I could think of a team that matches up great for them in a trade there. Let me hear it. Boston Red Sox. Oh, yeah, they'd love to have Felix. Felix, and then the Red Sox have a ton of prospects in uh, the lower minors who you know, Seattle can use in the long term that, they, that are better controlled. Plus, it gets Seattle's top-heavy payout because I think they're paying $24 million to Cano and $24 million to Felix, which is half their payroll on two players, which is, I mean, that's, that's largely why Zedrinic was fired last year. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that would give the new GM some some wiggle room and something to play with and, and build his own team, and that's something that, uh, I mean, it's worth considering, and I think it, it's not crazy to say they're already starting to mull that over. Yeah, I mean, no, no player should be untouchable, especially when you're as far away as the Mariners seem to be. There you go. Absolutely, I agree with that 100%. So, uh do the AL West, we're going to come to you guys uh, you know, over the next few weeks w- with one division uh, after another before we get into serious hot stove. The uh, GM meetings actually apparently start in the next few days to go over, you know, which is usually where the groundwork for trades is laid out. The December ones are where you see more action. Yeah, for sure. Those winter meetings are big time. They're important. But uh, Armando, got anything else? No, that's it, man. That's it for me. Uh Thank you guys for listening. It's been a lot of fun. I know it's been a while, but we're going to be back to doing this regularly. It's uh, it's always fun to talk baseball with Justin, and it was a great year for the Mets. You know, the Dodgers are rebuilding with a new management team, and we're going to be talking about that in the weeks to come as, as we get more information there, too. And it's just going to be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to this offseason and next year being our first full season covering it for the seventh inning stretch. Absolutely. So uh, from the two of us, have a nice night, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye, y'all.